0: Praise God for children, we are back. And I say we because I'm Michael, and that's Lou. Lou. (laughs) And we have gathered together to tell you that meaning actually has meaning. Now, if you are a industrious student who does your reading ahead of time, you actually looked at the title of the episode. So you know we are talking about everybody's favorite word, the perspicuity of scripture, which I just love that we use a word like perspicuity to describe clarity.
1: Right, I, I... Oh, man, it, when we were studying that in seminary, it's like, why don't we use the word clarity here?
0: Because it's not fun and it doesn't impress your friends at potluck. That's why. You I'm know, sorry, pot use providence. These... There's no luck in Christianity. Pot providence. Pot, pro- pot providence. Um, okay. Yes. No, because it makes you sound smart and like you speak with an English accent even though you don't. So you can snoot at people and go, I know all about the assayity of God and the perspicuity of scripture. Wow. Yes. That's awesome. That's why we do it. Yeah. Just to make ourselves sound smarter. You know, as we, as we ruminate.
1: So, Scripture is clear, but our, our languages are not. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> so, yes. We are talking about the perspicuity of Scripture, and I'm going to warn you ahead of time. And I'm pointing at you. I'm pointing at the screen. You should see him. He's, he's, I'm, I'm shaking my finger yeah. violently at thee. <laughs> Don't ask me why I went King James there. But what we are going to do today is a little different from normal. So, normally, whatever the doctrine we are discussing, our little devotion time, is geared towards explaining that doctrine. Right. So, you know, if we want to talk about God being the creator, we're going to run to Genesis 1. If we want to talk about the continuity of scripture, we would look at something like John 3 and how, it can, how Jesus talks about being lifted up like the serpent and how that connects back to Numbers. So we would use those things. What we've done in the past, you guys can figure this out, today is different. Today we are going to use an example. So... We are going to work through a, a portion of scripture and kind of understand it so that we can get an answer. So that when someone tries to get the wrong answer, we will clearly see the dichotomy between the two, and you will know that we are right and they are wrong. Mm. Which that, that's just your general rule of thumb. When in doubt, we're right. Now, second warning. <clears throat> Excuse me. Second warning. This is a chunk. So we're taking a bigger portion of scripture than we normally would. We are not going to cover every nook and cranny. We are not going to to fill the English muffin, if you remember those commercials with the the, the goodness of the nooks and crannies. No, we're not covering the whole English muffin. Because if we did that, this episode would start at 45 minutes long. And then we'd have to get to the other stuff. And I would fall asleep. You would fall asleep. Lou would fall asleep. And nobody would accomplish anything. Yes. So Uh, uh, we are going to try to work through this. In big chunks as best we can, and hopefully make sense of this. Now, if you are not confused, I will keep going. I mean, I'm okay with that. Yeah, there's still time. (laughs) But, but I think I have confused you thoroughly enough that we can dive in. So, what we are going to look at is Luke chapter five, verses 17 through 26. Now, because of the length of this chunk, I want to just read it all and then work back through it. Let's do this. All right. So one day he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And some men were carrying on, a, on a, and some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed and they were trying to bring him in and set him down in front of him. but not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and led him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith he said, friend. Your sins are forgiven. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins have been forgiven to you, or to say, get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. Immediately he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. They were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God, and they were filled with fear, saying, we have seen remarkable things today. There's the understatement of the year, Hope.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, let's have some fun. So one day, he was teaching. All right, the, uh, your Bible is so good at this, it assumes you are paying attention to the context, so who is he? <laughs> it's, it's Jesus. <laughs> it's Jesus, but... It doesn't say that, so so one day he was teaching. Jesus is teaching. There's Pharisees, teachers of the law, otherwise known as scribes, sitting there, and they had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, so everybody's represented. The whole country knows what's going on with Jesus. Remember your context. This is important. You have to combine the synoptic timeline with the Johannine timeline. Again, we'll use the fancy t- theological words today. <laughs> so you gotta put Luke's timeline together with John's timeline. Jesus has already left Galilee, gone to Jerusalem, cleansed the temple. Put his marker down, annoyed the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sanhedrin, you name it. He's he's bugged them and gone home to Galilee to continue his ministry. So that's why, again, Synoptic Gospels have a cleansing at the end when Jesus triumphantly enters. John has a cleansing of the temple at the beginning. Right. Two temple cleansings. Right. We're not going to die on this hill right now, but right. that's the official show position. Here, right, you ready? There. So it is there written, it is. so it shall be done. Okay. Two temple cleansings. So Jesus has announced his ministry to everyone, and he is now home. So everyone is like, hey, who's this dude clearing out our temple and messing up our good deal? Let's figure out what this is.
1: Yeah, what gives him the authority?
0: Exactly. Who do you think Think you you are? are?
1: Right.
0: So, He's teaching, they're all there, the Holy Spirit is working mightily that day, the people are having some faith going on, so it is time for Jesus to demonstrate his power. Remember, this is the point of the miraculous in the Gospels. It's not just Jesus feels like doing magic tricks that day. It is to demonstrate authority and power of God to confirm Jesus as God. All right, you with me so far? Yep. All right, Lou's with me, so that's all that matters. Yep. Now, there are challenges coming. This is one of the reasons why the crowds are there. You will see Jesus answer these challenges throughout the New Testament. My favorite one, well, I can't say it's my favorite. I have like 18 favorite portions of scripture, but one of my favorites is Jesus finally opening up a can on the Pharisees and everybody at the end of Matthew, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you to do and observe, do, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. And that was like the nicest thing he said for the rest of the chapter. Like, it is all downhill from there. He insults them. He calls them whitewashed tombs. And by the way, all rightfully so. Yeah. They are a wicked and annoying lot, and they deserved everything that Jesus said about them.
1: That's a pretty scary indictment, considering that these were the men of God that were set up supposed as, to be. as the people who were going <laughs> to teach and preach God's word.
0: Yeah, That's what they were supposed to do, which is again why... James gives you the warning. Let not many of you become teachers because you will incur a stricter judgment. Hey, for once, Lou is coughing. Go on. Sorry, us. guys. <laughs> yeah. So, while this is going on, some men are carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in and set him down in front of him. <sighs> Again with the I need a noun here, people. So we got the four friends. The reason we say it's four friends is Mark two helps us out with that. We got four friends bringing their paralyzed friend to Jesus, but they can't get there from here. Right. And I say that because I will never forget me and a kid. I was driving around with my grandfather, and we got turned around in back roads in North Carolina. I love the story. We stopped and asked for directions. (laughs) This little it was actually a, a a watermelon and cantaloupe stand, where the guy was just selling cantaloupes on the side of the road. And we're like, how do we get to, I don't even remember where we were going. My grandfather asked, how do we get there? And the guy goes, well, you can't get there from here.
1: <laughs> you stop and think.
0: You stop, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. But, and what he meant was there wasn't a direct line from the town we were at to the town we were going to. We had to go someplace. We had to go to another town first, which, but I'll just never forget sitting there in the passenger seat going, you can't get there from here.
1: I was like seven going, we're doomed. I and mean, your dad didn't whip out his phone and do a GPS? And, no, this you know. was like
0: 1988. <laughs> 1989, somewhere in that ballpark.
1: Phone, GPS, yeah. The rapture hadn't? No, no. No. This was before the earth was cooled. Okay, okay, got it.
0: Sorry. When dinosaurs still roamed the earth, we were looking for Brontosaurus burgers. It was a good day. Oh. <laughs> So, some men, four men, carrying their paralyzed buddy on a mat, and they're trying to get to Jesus to set the paralyzed man down in front of Jesus.
1: This is amazing.
0: But case. not finding any way to bring the friend in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. All right. Uh,
1: yeah, we got to pause here. Yeah, we
0: got to figure this out.
1: Yeah. Right? This is crazy. This is
0: not a normal house. Well, I say it's not a normal house. For them, it was a normal house. For us, it's not a normal house. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe some of our, uh, some of our uh, Indian listeners might, they might still do some houses this way in certain parts of town. Know. I have no idea either. So you'll have to tell us if, if, if this is true or if I've insulted you, I'm sorry. But flat roof, for the most part, it would actually be a secondary... I don't. How do you say this in HGTV speak? A separate, a separate space for entertaining. <laughs>
1: there you go. Every
0: home on HGTV, right? Yeah. What does the couple want? We need lots of room in a big kitchen because we like to entertain. What do you people juggle? Do you run a circus in your living room? Yeah, Yeah. circus performers. Same thing when the house is too muggy and hot to live in because summer is miserable, because summer is miserable. You go up on the roof. It's a little cooler. You could sleep. This was technically almost a second living area. You would build a little fence according to the law around the roof. What is that thing called again? Parapet. Parapet. Thank you. I can never remember what that is. That's why we have Lou.
1: (laughs) I'm good for something. Lou's like,
0: I'm useful. You would do this so that people can't fall off in accordance with the Mosaic Law. So you would... Tile the floor. I mean, it's not like they're undoing girders and beams and things like that. They're undoing. Basically, they're digging up the floor. Mm-hmm. So they're doing this. How they lowered him down, I have no idea. What? They're traveling with some paracord like Bear grills? Yeah. You know, improvise, adapt,
1: overcome, lower the man through the roof. It's amazing. I mean, it's like <laughs> do whatever you can to get him before this person that they, they didn't know... Really, they just knew he was performing signs well, and the wonders. Healer. This is the healer. He's the this healer. Is, we
0: we got to get the guy who needs healing in front of the guy who does the healing. Yeah. yeah, this is spectacular. This is awesome. My thing is, how long did that take? Seriously, like it's not like you opened up a hole in the roof like in two minutes. Yeah. Like, did and, nobody notice? Right. Did they not drop plaster or something right, on uh, somebody's head?
1: Yeah. Jesus, Jesus is sitting there and he's, he's like he, looking up. Like, hey, he starts to look
0: up! What you guys doing up there? They're
1: coming through the roof.
0: They're invading. Or is this just like Tuesday? Jesus in the house. People are digging in the roof so they can listen. He's like, this happens all the time. Yeah, it's okay. We'll pay for it when we leave. It'll be all right. (laughs) I know a guy.
1: He's a carpenter.
0: Jesus will just fix it when he leaves. He'll
1: fix it. Uh, I never even thought of that, but that's perfect.
0: Oh, my goodness. Now, we're making a big deal out of this, but first rule here. Based on the totality of this passage, you ready? I'm going to say something very controversial here. The friends are secondary to this story. Course. They are secondary. Now, right. I'd say that because I have in front of me, here this? You hear this paper?
1: He's wrapped, yeah. He's a I have actually
0: here. preached through the Gospel of Luke. I have very little uh, audio and video proof that I have done it, but I kept all my sermon notes and sermon outlines. I preached through the Gospel of Luke from mid. 2012 until early 2014 that's how long it took so somewhere we started in the middle of may in 2012 so i would have been in luke 5 probably early fall give or take i don't remember exactly where were you
1: at and what color suit were you wearing um i
0: wasn't wearing a suit i very rarely wear a Mm, suit okay so unless it was like easter or christmas i was not in a suit but i was by early fall i was probably still in a tie so maybe I had my dinosaur tie on that day. I don't know. Mm. So I want, the reason I tell you that is because this is now nine-year-old sermon notes. I didn't edit them. I just simply printed them out. All right? If I flip the page to verse 18, which is page three of my note manuscript, I have written down here, aside. That means not something directly related to the text, but a nice little off-ramp that's worth exploring. How to be a modern Pharisee. Most sermons would now focus on the four friends. Their faith, their tireless work, their ingenuity, their allowing no obstacle to stand in their way. Ultimately, that sermon focuses upon you. Have faith, work tirelessly, be ingenious, allow nothing to keep you and your friends from Christ. And this will lead to terrible ecclesiology, no, I have a bunch of exclamation points. So no, yeah. we do everything for God, even church. We want to extol the name of Jesus. We want to focus on him breaking our idols, him checking our hearts and seeing him and his glory and thus responding rightly. Yeah. That was nine years ago I wrote that. Now, remember I said that later on today, okay? We may return to this idea. Okay. All right. But in the meantime, seeing their faith, he said, Jesus said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Now, this is cool. This is a place. This deserves a pause. I mean, this is, this is a, when you were trying to figure out why did the the Pharisees say this was blasphemous? Because who has the power to forgive sins? God alone. God has the power to forgive yeah. sins. But this is a New Testament teaching. This is replete in Scripture. Ephesians 1. In him, talking about Christ, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. You have the, I just lost my place. Where was I?
1: Ephesians 1, 7 through 8. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How did I get there and what did I... I
1: don't know, you... I skipped something. You did. Waited, you,
0: my notes didn't pick up what I had.
1: Yeah, you got, you got Ephesians oh, 2, Ephesians there it is, there it nine. is. Yeah. So,
0: I, that's, that, it's still a good passage, but it's not the one exactly the one I wanted. There we yeah. go, Ephesians two 8-9. Yeah. I, I left out a comma in all my stuff. By grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one may boast. Go mm. all the way back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. What have you got going on? Savior promised son of the woman who will crush the serpent is delivered that's why when jesus is promised what is they? what are they told that mary will bear a son what do you name him why is his name jesus because he will save his people
1: from their sins it's a play on hebrew um yeah he his name shall be yeshua for he shall yeshu his people (coughs) Excuse me. I'm hacking up a storm yeah. over
0: here again. Yeah, if you yeah. don't
1: understand the, you know, it's it's a tie back to the way the yes. Hebrews spoke and why it, will it's he a play on words? And this
0: is, connects you to the name Jesus doesn't have the wrong name. He has the right name. Why can he do this? Because he is Emmanuel, which right. means
1: he's God, God with, us. with
0: us. Because he is God with us, right. he is capable of saving his people. Because go back to your Old Testament. Who is capable of saving the people of God? Only God. Only God.
1: But that's what the name Yeshua means. Exactly. That Yah is salvation, and He will
0: save. Right. But the, and this is your, this is your. We're working on Sunday morning through Exodus. What's the, re, what's the recurring theme of Exodus? God redeeming, God judging, God persevering, God rescuing, God accomplishing all of these things. Right. It is setting the stage so that when Christ arrives, you go, if He's going to do this stuff, who's He got to be?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a major theme in Ephesians too, and that's great that you started off with that. I mean, I. I think that if, if people read Ephesians with their eyes open and their ears tuned, they're going to hear God is the one in doing these things. He's and the one that initiates The sovereign the God s- of creation salvation, the one who initiates
0: yep. Yep. and accomplishes and fulfills all salvific work.
1: And he's the one that gives us the righteous works that we are to exactly. walk in.
0: That's Ephesians 2.10, right. and that's what matters. Now, you also see this at the end of the book. Which I just lost my spot on that. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, who has made us a kingdom of priests to his father, to his God and father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So when Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, this is not unusual if you are God. Right. which is who he is, how do we prove that by what is going on here? Now, if you have doubts, and look, could we really fault somebody for having doubts? No. No, not right I off the bat. I think it's inherent in, yes. in who we are. So, the scribes and the Pharisees began reasoning, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? If you're a faithful Jew, someone usurping the power and authority and role of God is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? See, that's the point. That's that's, the point of what's going on here.
1: (laughs) You're pretty sharp here, buddy.
0: Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Now stop. Did the Pharisees and scribes have this argument out loud?
1: No. Yeah, that would have given some people some pause. Okay, he just read my mind. (laughs)
0: <laughs> hey everybody in the room just went
1: huh wait a minute wait, 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 wait. time out how,
0: how for you do that yeah did i say that out loud <laughs> yes that now that is a good question though who can forgive except god go back to your uh penitent psalm of david psalm 51 yeah. now if we were ever gonna say who was the victim of david's actions in psalm 51 i think we can come up with a list can't we oh sure his unborn child is a victim later born and dying. His best friend uh Uriah Uriah is a victim. Bathsheba is a victim. Mm -hmm. You could argue David's entire kingdom is is a victim. His general is a victim. There's a lot of victims. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Oh, wow.
1: That is, that's something I pray of very often. <laughs> I, you know, you got to stay humble. That's a, that's a yeah, fantastic Yeah, David passage.
0: gets it. Look, as much as I have hurt these other people... I have sinned against God. That is infinitely worse. Infinitely worse. Forget what, and this is what, this is the mistake I think we make when we talk about sin in the modern context, is we primarily try to make it a horizontal action, and we try to deal with its effects against other people. Yeah, well,
1: a lot of people even like to say, well, who am I hurting?
0: Yeah, and see, that's not a good standard for sin either, because sin is an affront against a holy God. It is a blemish upon his creation, a black mark upon your own soul. It is a vertical component first and foremost. Deal with the vertical component, and then as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men, which means then deal with the horizontal component. But the first step to that, dealing with the vertical component, dealing with your relationship with God. This is
1: must be done. Yeah, that brings you back to, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart soul, soul, mind, mind and strength. strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. So you're right. Yeah, That's because the you first can't love place. your neighbor
0: as yourself until you have loved the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength.
1: But you can also not say that you love your love God if you don't love your neighbor. Well, because so a love of
0: a love of God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength will evidence itself right. in a love of neighbor as right. yourself. So they See work how this fits hand together? Hand. It's amazing. It is, but again, this is why we talk about a continuity of scripture. Now, notice, these are not earth-chattering concepts, Mm -hmm. but they are clearly revealed in this passage. Now, likewise, what is the point of Jesus saying this? Why didn't Jesus not wait for them to argue about this out loud? Because once again, he's proving. You want a great rundown of proof. I will not read them all to you, but if you want a great rundown of proof, go to John 5. You get what? John's witness, the testimony of what Jesus is doing, the miraculous occurrences. Mm. You've got the testimony of the Father, both in the work in the blessing, and actually audibly during Jesus' ministry multiple times, and you have the testimony of Scripture, that what Scripture has promised, Christ is now fulfilling. So you get all of these things culminating in this man standing here saying, your sins are forgiven. It is all a proof. Now, to prove that it's a proof, yeah, we're gonna go with that. How do you do that? (laughs) Jesus answers, which is easier to say, your sins have been forgiven you, or say, get up and walk? Now, This has nothing to do with the simplicity of language. Nothing. In this question, it is actually easier to say your sins are forgiven. The reason it's easier to say your sins
1: are forgiven is... Is there a ledger somewhere I can check? Right. I mean, how do you tell if somebody's <laughs> sins are really forgiven? You don't. I mean, th- th- I think the, the fact that he has been healed is evidence Well, that's of, just it. He this. hasn't been healed yet. Yeah. He's been forgiven. Right. The healing will
0: come. Right. But this is part of the proof. Jesus starts out by picking the fight. He wants to pick the fight here by saying, your sins are forgiven. And that's the, this is the rhetorical question now. What's easier? To tell him his sins are forgiven or to tell him to get up and walk. And everybody in the room would admit it's much easier to say your sins are forgiven. Because while we can hash about that and debate on whether or not we stone you when we leave, we can't actually confirm that that has occurred. We can't do it. We have to trust
1: you. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing that comes to mind is in the Psalms, the psalmist says that you know my thoughts from afar. And even before a word comes out of my mouth, you know what that word is. So God... Every You know, Jesus, everywhere he turns around, he is confirming to them who he is. Yeah. The very fact that he understands what their thoughts are before they even open their mouth and speak
0: that it. That should have been a big red flag that they got something uh, wrong, I mean, but you know I'm what? Getting,
1: I'm getting chills thinking about, but you know... But humanity
0: is a stubborn wow. lot,
1: are we yes. not? well, well. <laughs> yeah, for if there's one thing we're good at, it's being so, stubborn.
0: to prove that the easy statement, your sins are forgiven, is actually true, we're going to go ahead and say... The hard statement, which is get up and walk. Right. But so that you may know that the Son of Man, oh, I love that. Who is this Son of Man, you may ask? Mm. Daniel, chapter 7. Sounds like seven. Daniel to me. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, remember, rule for reading your Bible, every time you see the word behold, slow down, something important is coming. Behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a Son of Man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days, that's the Father, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory in a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Now, when you read your Old Testament in your context, what you'll discover is your son of man of Daniel 7 is your son with whom the nations must do of Psalm 2,
1: right.
0: who is the king Who was promised, Genesis 49. Who is the priest who was promised, Deuteronomy 18. Who is the son of the woman who crushes the serpent and his offspring, which is sin, of Genesis 3. All of these things build together. Jesus now takes this title upon himself and says, So that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. Who could forgive sins? God God alone. alone. He looked and said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up. Pick up your stretcher and go home. I love that. Pick up your stretcher, go home. Go on, get out of here, be good, work this out. If he can do that, he can demonstrate authority over the body. He can demonstrate authority over illness or possession or whatever it is that may be afflicting this man. He can demonstrate all of that, then he has the authority and the power to forgive sins. Immediately, the man got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. There, right there is the point of this passage. For the glory of God alone. That's your thesis statement in this passage. Mm -hmm. Jesus doesn't do this so that everybody can go, oh, golf clap. What a marvelous miracle. Look at that. This poor man who had languished. He will now walk home. Oh, it's beautiful. And it's not so that we will then look upon the roof roof, at his weeping friends and be like, you guys are so amazing. And I love you, man. And you can have my Bud Light because you persevered and you struggled through and now you got to fix my roof before I kill you so that you can then go home and pardon. None of that is the point of the passage. Right. The point of this passage is he got up, went home, glorifying God and they were all struck with astonishment
1: and began glorifying God the whole crowd sees this and is like yeah, even the ones that were like thinking in their head who is yeah. this guy who thinks he can forgive sins
0: everybody in the room just simultaneously became a Baptist and broke out into doxology <laughs> Everybody, everybody, in the room, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Okay, so they're just they're doing the kumbaya, hands in the air, waving back and forth. Guys, really
1: yeah. need to get this on video because this, <laughs> this is this is a show.
0: Yes, this is this is immediately what happened, and they were filled with fear. Yes! yes, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because they just why are they filled with fear? For the same reason that when the Israelites got to the base of the mountain. And they looked up, and there's smoke and lightning and earthquake and the mountain shaking, and God speaks, and they go, go nobody mm, go that way.
1: Yeah, you go up there. Yeah, I'm not Moses, you there. go talk to yeah. him.
0: And then, you know, and God tells Moses, tell the people not to go upon the mountain. And all the people went, well, duh.
1: I did not need to be told that. <laughs> uh,
0: I did not need to be told that. As a matter of fact, I was too busy in the corner wetting myself <laughs> to even think about walking up the mountain. Not even it wasn't. I need a new tunic, okay? I don't need to be told not to walk up the mountain. When God shows up, people do what? They freak out and get afraid because they are immediately confronted. Well, Isaiah During sees the, the, the glory of the Lord. Of what glory happens? Of the Lord, yes. We, are, I am an unclean man, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. Yeah. Like we are all doomed, doomed.
1: Yeah, I'm a to dead quote man. the great
0: theologian Linus. Yeah. So they're glorifying God, and they're terrified. So it goes, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Um, guys, he's in the room. It's like that bad horror story from the, the call is coming from inside the house. The God is coming from right inside the house. The oh. miracle is occurring right there. Yes. And they have said what? We have seen remarkable things today. Does that qualify for understatement of the millennia? We have seen remarkable things
1: today. I mean, that that isn't even, that ain't even the worst, you know, the best of the miracles, I should say. <laughs> I mean, they have not seen anything yet. Yes. Now,
0: why do we use this story for perspicuity of scripture? You know what? You're in good company because Lou asked that very same question. Yeah, that's the first thing. I <laughs> Lou this was
1: is like, great passage, I what am so got confused.
0: All right. The reason being is, when you are working in a section of scripture and this is one of those we are we are pulling back the curtain to show you who Oz is and how the sausage is actually made. when I point out that this is the point of the passage, everything that occurs in this passage is occurring so that you will see the point, which is that the people are now glorifying and praising God. there is, no other point to this passage. Everything that occurs is there so that we get to the end and go, the people are glorifying and praising God. If you want an example of this, go to something like John 9. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? And Jesus answered, it was neither this man's sin nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. See, I've said this before on Sunday mornings in Sunday school. I probably said it before here, but you know what? I haven't said it enough times because everybody hasn't heard me say it. Until everybody's heard me say it, I haven't said it enough. The star of every show going on in your Bible is God. It's never the human, ever. Even the book of Esther that doesn't even mention the name of God, the star of that show is God. It's not Mordecai. It's not Esther. It's not the festival. It's God. I mean, the closest you get to God being mentioned in the book of Esther is Mordecai. Who knows? Maybe it was for such a time as this that you were raised up. What he's really saying is for all you know, God stuck you in this place at this time to do this thing for his people. Right. That he is the star of the show. All those dinks that just happened to occur in Esther occur for the glory of God. All of those little things that just happened to line up in the life of Job, just happened to line up in the life of Joseph, just happened to line up in Daniel. All of those things occur for the glory of God. This man was paralyzed for the glory of God. His friends were strengthened to persevere to get him into that room for the glory of God. He was healed. For the glory of God. He was forgiven of his sins for the glory of God. This is a pillar of the Reformation. Sola gratia, sola fide, sola scriptura, sola sola Christus, sola Deo Gloria. Mm -hmm. We are saved by grace through faith as shown in scripture by Christ for the glory of God alone.
1: Man, I just got the chills. (gasps) All right. That is, that's good stuff. So
0: Lou's breaking out Hebrew and Greek. I'm dropping Latin on you. Do, do, you, do you have some German you want to? Nein! There we go. We got some German in there. Perfect Nuggen. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only German I know. <laughs> Don't oh ask me what just no. happened.
1: What happened? So now, we were on such a good note, Yes, guys. we were.
0: We were. But we can't allow that to stand. That's okay. not, that is not the show they tuned in for. Right. We cannot give them professionalism and, and expertise. We have to give them goofballness. It's what we do. It's the cross that we must bear. Okay, you you bear it well. Yes, there we go. Someone's got to. Now, when you read a passage like this in Luke 5, don't miss that. It's a giant pulsating neon sign of a punchline at the end. So when you understand and apply this passage, you should understand it and apply it in light of the punchline that the passage itself gives you. Mm -hmm. So how do I apply? Why is this in my Bible? This is in my Bible to show me who Christ is, Mm -hmm. what he can do, and how he forgives me. Now, is this about me making sure I persevere in bringing my friends to Jesus? No. No, not at all. No. Now, does that give me an encouragement? Sure. The encouragement should be, though, that if I get them to Jesus, what will happen? That God has the power to forgive and to heal. That's what it tells me. This has nothing to do with me again. The punchline gets back to God, that if I persevere in walking in the faithful life, what has been promised... Will in fact be delivered. There's my
1: encouragement and my hope. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean. Look at look at the story. It's a it's a picture of reality as we have it today. Uh, that man who was paralyzed is just like every other man or woman who is lost in their sin. They're dead. There's nothing they can do about it, but God. Yes, but God, rich in His mercy, He's the one that looks down and heals this man. And He said, He said one thing. He says your faith. He said, so all these elements, yes, the grace all, of God, the glory all like of God, sh- if by faith alone, we've got all of these elements of the gospel right yes. in this one little it's story. Care.
0: Go back nine years. Do you mm-hmm. see any grand conclusion here? No, there's under the conclusion tab, there's nothing written down. It says conclusion, nothing. Why? Because the line before that began glorifying God. This is the result of miraculous work and what the work of God should spur in his people. There's your conclusion. What do I do in light of this passage? I glorify God for the greatness of who he is, all that he has done, and the fact that he, this God, who heals the lame... Makes the mute to speak, gives the deaf ears to hear, restores sight to the blind, walks on water, commands the demons, this God saved me. Oh, man. In all my goofy nitwittery, he saved me.
1: That's pretty heavy, man.
0: This is the clear understanding and meaning of the passage. And this matters because if you miss the obvious, you are going to spend so much time with a pickaxe and a shovel trying to dig up something important that you are going to end up doing just completely dumb things
1: with your Bible. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which. <laughs> yeah, we, we just really, we really have to be able to read and understand the context and critically think about what's going on instead of, try, as, as a pastor, trying to develop a series and a lot of nifty things to say that's going to catch the attention of people. That doesn't work. Don't reinvent the wheel. Just give them the word, the way so it was written, help them understand the context and let the Holy Spirit do what, yeah. he, what he does. So, remember my warning? <laughs> Most sermons would focus on the four
0: friends. Their faith, their tireless work, their ingenuity. They're yeah. allowing no obstacle to stand in their way. And ultimately, that sermon focuses on you having faith, you working tirelessly, you being ingenious, and you allowing nothing to keep your friends from Christ. Russell Moore, head of the Southern Baptist Convention's Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, which I have... Voted in line the last two times this has been brought as a motion from the floor to defund. Mm -hmm. This is the lobbying arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. We pay millions of dollars a year to have a team of people in Washington, D.C. lobbying the government. I can think of no greater waste of missions dollars than lobbying our pagan government.
1: Yeah, the pagans be paganing.
0: I, I have no greater waste of money, but yet he has a job probably making four to five times what the average pastor makes. He wrote this in the, the um, Grand Theological Journal we go. known as the Washington Post. Right. In the Gospel of Luke, the Bible tells us about a paralyzed man who sought to see Jesus but couldn't get to him because of the crowds. First of all, that's not what it tells you. His friends found a way by cutting a hole in the roof and letting him down on his bed by rope so that he could find healing. Similarly, in this time of the coronavirus pandemic... Evangelical Christians should join with other Americans in holding the ropes for those who are in danger of serious illness or death. That includes urging people to get vaccinated. <laughs> wow, man. I don't even know how anybody wrote that with a straight face. So in other words, be like the friends. They held the rope for their sick friend. Hold the rope and stick the DNA in your arm. <laughs> I can't, look. Look. I know people who have been vaccinated. I know people who have thought long and hard about being vaccinated and have decided against it. I know people who have thought long and hard against, about being vaccinated and decided for it. I hold no ill will to people who don't want to get the coronavirus vaccine. I hold no ill will towards people who want to get the coronavirus vaccine. I just ask that you as a Christian contemplate what you're doing. And as long as you can look God in the face and say, I have done this in order to glorify you, then you know what you're going to hear from me? Go for it. Go for have it, a man. good day.
1: Why do we have to twist scripture to, to make it fit our <laughs> to narrative equate, today?
0: To equate my taking of an experimental, unproven genetic modification mm-hmm. with friends lowering a paralyzed man literally to the feet of Jesus is malfeasance of the highest order. Mm. It is not the point of the text. How do I know that's not the point of the text? Because the Bible has, say with me now, Perspicuity; it is clear in its definitions and explanations. Now, understand this. I'm begging with you, Luke and Vouch. I yeah, have the pleading hands going. He's
1: pleading. Yeah. All right.
0: When studying <laughs> Scripture, there is one right interpretation and understanding of every biblical text. For sure. This is why I preach in chunks, like I do, because in every contextual unit there is one understanding, just one. Paul's not writing his letters going, you know, I'm writing this, but you know, people could take this in like 1800 different ways and I'm good with that. Now, there can be multiple applications of that understanding, but the applications are not in and of themselves limitless. They are limited by the right understanding of the text. Does that make sense? I think it does. Okay. This, it is does to of, me, this is one of our rules of hermeneutics, which is the, the, the science of understanding and interpreting text. This is how this works. So if the point of this text is to glorify God, and the point of this text is to prove the omniscience mm-hmm. and omnipotence of... Of the God-man, son of man, Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. Which is what's going on. He's proving his omniscience, an attribute of God, by knowing their thoughts. He's proving his omnipotence by having power over the paralyzed man, whatever it is that has paralyzed him. And he is proving the gracious character of God, shown throughout the Old Testament, by forgiving the man's sins because he has trusted in Christ, who is God. If this is the point of this passage then I cannot twist an application into saying that you need to be like the four friends. The four friends are irrelevant to the story. They are secondary at best. At best. I think I could argue they're really, I don't even think they're on the scale. Jesus is primary. The attributes of God are primary. The understanding of what is being proved in the text is primary. The trust of the paralyzed man being lowered in the work that is done for him would probably be secondary. The fact that it's the Pharisees and the scribes sitting there trying to argue about who Jesus is, maybe that's secondary. You could probably argue that's tertiary level stuff at this point. Four friends don't rate in my world. Mm -hmm. They just don't, which is why I wrote nine years ago, don't focus on them. Mm -hmm. I've been consistent on this. Nine years in my world is a long time. I'm not even 40 yet. A quarter of my life ago... I'm standing there in the same place I'm standing here. This matters because you, the Bible doesn't – it's it's not a Stretch Armstrong doll. Do you remember those things? Oh, I do. If you were I my age I when I was a kid, remember Gumby? You know, mm-hmm. who who sings the song? Oh, bend me, shape me any way you want me. I don't know, but I know the song. My wife will know. She'll be telling me. I know who that is. So we'll have to ask Cameron about that one later. This is not your Bible. Yeah. Your Bible is not a yoga master. Right. It just isn't. It can't do stretch Armstrong tricks. It is not Gumby. What was the name of the donkey? I don't,
1: uh, I don't Eeyore? either. No, it wasn't Eeyore. No, that, that was, that Winnie, was the the Winnie the Pooh. Huh. I don't remember. What the,
0: you know. That's going to drive me nuts. But yeah. anyway, anyway, your Bible does not do these things. It is not for this. It is meant to carry over a consistent pokey pokey thank goodness for google right yeah it is meant to carry over a consistent explanation of who god is and what he is doing for his people in spite of themselves and that is true even in this passage that is the clear which is what perspicuity means that is the clear reading and understanding of scripture to take that understanding to be something else such as in the great faith of the friends. That is not the point of this passage. I would argue they don't have great faith. Everybody in their uncle in Israel at this time is trying to get to Jesus if they've got a problem. Everybody is. You got the woman who's bleeding for 12 years, you know, crawling along behind him. Mm-hmm. You got lepers seeking him out. You got the Syrophoenician woman. Roman centurions are looking for Jesus to be healed. I mean, everybody who's got an ingrown toenail is like, get me to Jesus. It's not a demonstration of great faith to say, hey, get me to the guy who's working the miracles to see if he'll work a miracle for me. That's one of my other favorite, one of my favorite Bible passages is when, is Mark, when Jesus comes down the Mount of Transfiguration and the father has brought his boy to be healed because the demons keep casting the kid into fires and lakes trying to kill him. <laughs> and the disciples have spent all night, the, the nine that didn't go up the mountain or have spent all night trying to drive the demon out and they can't do it. And Jesus comes down and the father's like, if you can do anything. And Jesus goes, if I can do anything. In other words, why are you here if you don't think I can do anything? Mm-hmm. All things are possible if you believe. And the father's like, I believe. Help my
1: unbelief. (laughs) Help my unbelief. That's one of my favorite people. Yeah, I love that. It's like, I believe. And if I don't, I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) I mean, everybody, whether they got faith or not, is trying to get to Jesus. It is not a declaration of anything good. That man is at the foot of Jesus, and Jesus goes, that faith. The faith that everybody who's coming to Jesus has got, which is the faith of a mustard seed. The broken, messed up, sinful faith that we have that God uses to draw us in by the power of the Spirit to Christ.
1: Even that is given and, to us.
0: Yes, that's a gift. That's your Ephesians 2, 8, by the way. Yeah. Or maybe it's 9. It, it's in Ephesians 2. Read your Bible. Or do you get <laughs> Even that is your gift, and that is not something you take credit for. So to say, just be like the friends and have that faith. I can't. Yeah. Help my unbelief. Help my lack right. of faith. You know what I am half the time? I'm Peter standing in the courtyard going, I'm not cold. I don't know who Jesus is, but I'm not cold. <laughs> or I'm Paul in Romans 7. You know, I got faith, and the good that I want to do, I don't do. And the evil that I don't want to do is what I'm doing. Help!
1: Yeah, I'm help that me! guy pounding on my chest saying, God, yeah, help Who me. will free me help from this place? Yeah,
0: You know, I'm Job. My bad. <laughs> I'm going to go sit in the corner and shut up now. I mean, that's, that's our level of faith. Again, read Hebrews 11 and go. These are the faithful people. These are who made it, and realize that that faith that's being described in Hebrews 11—did I say 12 a second ago? I'm no, sorry. No, you said 11. I said 11. Mm-hmm. The people being described in Hebrews 11 have a broken, deficient, not good enough faith. That's the point—is
1: mm-hmm.
0: that they are broken. They are deficient. Their faith is not good enough. But God's mercy and grace is sufficient. And because of the great love with which he loved us, Romans 5, he has redeemed us and saved us. Just like this paralyzed man. Not because this paralyzed man deserved it more than the rest of us. Not because he worked harder or his friends did more. But because God is good and he will redeem all of his children. That's the clear message of scripture. That's the point of this. And if you landed anywhere else in the reading of this passage, you missed it. You literally missed the forest for the trees, and, and we are again, as the great prophet Linus once said, I'm doomed. Doomed. That's the great pumpkin, by the way, if you haven't seen that. If you haven't seen that, watch the great pumpkin Charlie Brown. It will do you good.
1: <laughs> just, I remember watching that as a kid. It's a my, kid my
0: kid watches it every year. Yeah. My son loves it. If I let him on Halloween day, he would watch it on loop for 24 hours straight. Oh, I bet you he would. And on some Halloweens I've let him when I'm, you know, busy doing stuff and it's like all of a sudden how many times do you watch that? Well I put it on about four. Well it's nine now.
1: <laughs> it's like honest, a zombie was it 30 minutes of
0: Yeah, it's a thirty minute cartoon. He's like a zombie staring at the screen, drooling, you know, he's quoting to me verbatim. I should have had him do it when he was younger. See, he loves Charlie Brown. He loves Linus. Mm-hmm. There was a stretch where he could actually give me the whole um Linus, what's the meaning of Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I was this close to having him do it in church when he was like three because he could sit there at three and just re- just recite Linus. I'm like, I'm not doing that to my kid. Oh, that's now, just, funny though. Everybody would have laughed and thought it was great, but I'm not doing that to him. That wouldn't be right to use him like that. I was tempted though. I'll admit, I was tempted.
1: <laughs> i bet you were knowing you i know you, you probably
0: yeah would. but i'm like no i can't do it because everybody be like oh you're doing such a wonderful job of teaching him no i'm not i'm sticking in front of a tv for eight hours a day i'm doing a terrible job <laughs> don't pat me on the head and rub my tummy for this don't you dare mm-hmm. clear message of scripture we're doomed without god we are doomed without his grace without his mercy and without his work not our work his work. Mm-hmm. From the garden. What did Adam and Eve bring to the table? Sin and disobedience. Mm-hmm. God slaughters the animal. God covers their sin. God keeps them alive. God provides for them. What does Noah do? I built a boat. That should not have worked.
1: No, not, not with the level no. of storm that, should not that have was worked. brought upon the earth. God
0: preserves him. God redeems him. God overlooks well, who his who shut sin? the
1: door of the, of yeah. the boat? God, <laughs> God closes God
0: him in and God lets him out again. Yep. This is true throughout your Bible. The man after God's own heart, the great man of faith, David, who, yeah, let's be honest, David has some whoppers of problems. You know, Bathsheba, the census, going to the Philistines for help.
1: I yeah, mean... But how is he still a man I mean, after God's own heart, Because
0: though? he is a... Right. He is a forgiven man. He is the he is the blessed man whose sins have not been taken into account. Whose sins have been forgiven. Yes. He is the graciously we, we, of. He is the one who has grace
1: applied to him. I, I know that in our podcast that we we highlight these the brokenness of people, hmm. but it's not at. At the cost of of recognizing what Scripture does say about them, so no, no, no. they, they are, are examples, and, no, and I, I know that's what you mean. But yeah, I, maybe our listeners need yeah, to understand. I have said that. this for
0: years: the church is everything that God says it is. It is a holy yeah. church. Why? Not because we are holy in and of ourselves, because we have God's holiness, and we are seeking and striving after Him in and what we do and right, how we live. Trying
1: to imitate the farm. yes, we are. we are. We are
0: walking the path. This is what sanctification, which yes. we have been very big on. This is the now. These are the points. This is what you should get from this passage. And if you don't get this, read your Bible again, start at the beginning, you missed something. And this matters because again, the world in which we live is going to turn the Bible into a yoga class every chance it gets because it's going to adjust it to fit its narrative. There are people out there claiming that Jesus sinned when, when in some of his healings that, again, the Bible is advocating for... This type of lunacy that you must do this because it's what's loving. Yeah. No, what's loving is that I honor God and, uh, and, and love and serve my neighbor. That could take a myriad of the different avenues, none of which require me to do possible damage to my body. Which, again, I said, if you can think about it as a Christian and go, you know what, I just don't think the vaccine's safe, I would agree with you and I have no problems with you not taking it. We have people in our church who have had their second shot and are doing great, have had their first shot or waiting on their second shot, and you know what I've told them? Go mm, for it. If you thought it. about it, you they asked me advice. I gave them everything I know about the vaccine, everything that I can think about scripture saying. And I said, here's your choices. And they said, okay, I'm going to get it. Okay, go for it. I'll pray for you and hope nothing bad happens to you. Right. That's just where I'm at with this. To sit there and twist the Bible to say, you must, you must do this. That's not just malfeasance. That's borderline evil. And I, this, these are people that are making large incomes off the church.
1: Well, more than that, to, these are people to who have church. studied the Word of God in depth, have sat in the seat as a student under professors that are teaching them hermeneutics and and how to interpret Scripture and how to, you know, understand things from the perspective of Scripture. You know, it is a little circular, but all the same, these people have no excuse. Why? Why they're twisting things? Uh, I guess that's just on them, but. Such fun!
0: They're twisting things again because it fits a narrative. It yeah. fits a place they wish to occupy in the world, and that becomes the danger.
1: I mean, this is bad. I mean, because when we think of this doctrine, the clarity of Scripture. I mean, what what came to my mind is the fact that in some in some denominations, the church is the one that's going to tell you what that passage means, right?
0: Yeah, and that's and, terrible.
1: And that's terrible.
0: There's a reason why persecution because is a big because deal.
1: us poor laymen can't look at that <laughs> Word of God and understand it for ourselves. That's what I thought. The way that you put this together, this this makes sense to me. And, and you're right; it, it's it's just you, you can't treat the scriptures like a yoga mat or whatever, no. trying to twist them and bend them into what it is that you want to hear. This and the reason why this becomes so important is
0: a twisted interpretation of scripture says less about scripture than it does the person who is twisting it. Mm-hmm. The person who will twist the application and meaning of scripture typically is doing it because they've already come to the conclusion. And they're trying to justify it. And that's yeah, why you right. see the twisting, because they can't do what we did. We just start right. with the passage. What does it say? What does it mean? How do we apply that? That's
1: and what, what would it have meant to the first people that heard exactly. a thing? Exactly. Or, or, or were sitting there. They, what, the whole point of it was they, even the people that doubted who Jesus was, they were scared, They were, but they were glorifying God.
0: Yeah, because I have seen the works, and they testify to his Twice greatness. Twice it talks exactly. about
1: people glorifying, the uh, uh, the man that was paralyzed, he walked away glorifying God, carrying his mat, and then the people in doubt were like, we have seen something amazing today, and they were glorifying Let's play God. a what-if game real
0: quick. I know we're running a little long, but this will be worth it. We'll take a minute here and do this. Let's do it. If the Pharisees hadn't questioned and everybody in the room had gone, he's forgiven his sins. It's a miracle. God has forgiven this man's sins. Would Jesus have healed him?
1: I think so. I I, I think so. I think that was the whole point of this man being brought to Jesus' feet. Was he
0: forgiven before or after he was healed? Before. The healing didn't come because of the forgiveness. The healing came as proof Well, what's more important? Agreed. Yeah. And that's the point. Yeah. And that's, again, why if if you make this passage about what you have to do for your body or other people's body, Mm -hmm. you've missed the actual point. You have distilled it down to about
1: who? Who's that
0: passage now about?
1: It's about me. Yeah, but he – right. Right. When you look at that passage, you got to understand some of the things that were going on in the community. If you saw a man paralyzed – you said this guy's sinned, a sinner. Obviously, yes. yeah. This, oh, yeah. This is something that oh, you're saying. dealing with.
0: Just like the man born blind, I think Jesus would have got. But my point would be, he didn't have to heal him in order to forgive him. The 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 healing is the miraculous proof right. that the forgiveness that Jesus is offering is the forgiveness of God because He is God. Mm-hmm. This matters because if you if you reverse that, look at the great work that Jesus has done in healing this man. Right. You've missed it. No, the great work that He's done is that dirty, rotten scoundrel of a sinner is now clean and he will stand before God one day as holy because he is now a child of the one true king. That's the miraculous work of that passage. The fact that he couldn't walk five minutes ago and now he can, that's secondary to the fact that that which was dead is now alive. That which was lost is now found. That's what matters. And if you come up with anything else than that, Went right over your head, splattered like a dead bug on the wall behind you, and we have all been lesser for it because you have not understood the message that God is providing, which is the message that Scripture as a whole is providing.
1: Yeah, this isn't new, this concept that we're talking no, about here. Not I mean, least. when we think about um, what happened uh, in Egypt, we're, we're going through Exodus, but we think about what happened. God sent. Moses and his brother Aaron to go talk to Pharaoh and through signs and wonders he demonstrated that he was God over all of Egypt, over all of their gods and he was going to feed them, going to clothe them and bring them into a place that because he his, promised. Because
0: the deliverer is the provider, right. is the sustainer, is right. the preserver, is all of those things. So this,
1: this, this, this narrative plays out in the New Testament everywhere.
0: This is why we call it perspicuity, the clarity of the message from beginning to end. If you step outside of that message... You have missed it. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go back to the start and begin again.
1: Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. We want to be faithful people who bring our friend to to the foot of the cross for healing by God. But that is not the point of the story. And to say that it is, is doing a disservice. No,
0: The message here for the friends is all who come to Christ, he will cast out none. Those that come to him in repentance and faith will stand with him in the kingdom. Yep. So the message to the friends is, this is why you testify. This is why you work, because all who come to Christ will be forgiven. Can I drag him kicking and screaming to
1: Christ? No. That yeah, won't work.
0: No. Is it possible they could have lowered down Jesus in front of him and he said, your sins are forgiven, and walked out the door? Yes. Yes. Could they have lowered him down and Jesus walked out the door and, not, and chosen not to forgive him? That could have happened as well. But no. Why did they have that faith? Because God was using them to glorify himself, to demonstrate the power, authority, majesty, and glory of Christ on earth in right. that room. It was this the evidence the of things that it you was. cannot see. Exactly. Faith is the things hoped for, things yeah. not seen.
1: Right. All right. That's, that's what I'm playing off of.
0: <laughs> yep. Look at this. We make sense of things in the end. So what have we learned here today, children? Jesus is about more than the body. I think we've covered that. The Bible has a message. Who knew? knew? God spoke for a reason. And when we twist the message, we ourselves are twisted. That becomes the problem. Now, I'm going to do more foreshadowing. All right, let's do this. Come back and see us next week, and we're going to find out if the Pope's really Catholic.
1: (laughs) oh my goodness this is so awesome
0: <laughs> i've planned ahead that'll be our plan it'll be fun lou will enjoy it i, I almost got the st- i almost got the, the 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 initial workup ready it'll be fun when i get it to him but that'll be their plan for next week um new content yesterday if you didn't see it i didn't even tell lou about this No, i
1: think i saw something in my i've uh, been we, we you know i, I, didn't I, get to I it said though. we were
0: always talking about worldview I'm always talking about having a Christian worldview, thinking through things. That's why Cameron and I look at the news on Thursdays and we just kind of think, try to think through stuff in a Christian manner. Mm And it dawned on me that you and I are composing elements of a Christian worldview. But you know what we need? We need to lay down the foundational aspects of what a Christian worldview is and where do they come from? They come from scripture. Mm -hmm. So I'm walking through scripture, started walking yesterday, did first three chapters of Genesis explaining worldview foundations, how to think Christianly based on scripture. All right. Short, sweet, to the point so that the stuff we are doing here on Wednesdays makes a little bit more sense so that the stuff Cameron and I are doing looking at the news on Thursdays makes more sense is that we have the foundational stuff laid down. Nice. So have fun with that, trying to keep that a little bit shorter so you can share it with your friends and neighbors. Be like, look, look, here's the intro stuff. Because Lou and I will admit, the stuff we're doing here, this is not Christianity 101. We're, we're like in the 201, 301 class. We're trying, we're trying to get you a little ahead, ahead of the game. But trying to get you to think through the things we see in the world from a doctrinal perspective. Understanding that the Bible has a clear message influences how you understand people when they try to explain the Bible. So when you see a nitwit like Russell Moore, and he's not always a nitwit, but in this case, he's a nitwit. Just like when I say something dumb, I'm a nitwit. Mm -hmm. in this case when someone says something like this you go that's not what that means so if you want to justify that stance from scripture you got to go somewhere else because you can't stand there because that's not what that means these things matter so if you have a complaint info at practicaltheologyministries.com send them there if there's a story you want us to look at think we can apply a christian doctrine to it send it to us we'll be glad to try This this is what we do we are here for you the people (laughs) <laughs> so in the meantime check out stuff you can link to the church calvary baptist you can see past sermons teachings you can uh, get the sermon on the mount book find the reading plan all that good stuff and more practicaltheologyministries.com so check that out until we see you guys next time read your bible it'll do you good bye, bye.